Pop the Puck, Don't Suck. It's another great edition of the Styles and Friends podcast. I'm your host, David Styles, and I know it's been a couple weeks. There's been a lot going on uh, in my life the last couple weeks, and so it's been hard to try to get an episode out, but it gave me more time to do a little bit of research, and of course, with that being said, I had to rope one of my friends in again to help talk about it, and Zach Williams is on the show again, another great history buff, and so I figured this would be right down his alley. We're going to kind of start a little bit of a dive, air quotes, dive, into the lost city of Atlantis. I've read some Plato before, and to me, I'm more of a C.S. Lewis type guy, so that kind of fits all in there together, but I've never really read much of the Atlantis portion of the what is it the Timaeus Zach is that am I saying mm-hmm. that right yeah yep. his uh Plato's account of the lost city of Atlantis and so what we're going to do is we're going to have a have a little bit of a dive into this and kind of see where we can get our feet wet lots of puns tonight I'm in kind of a <laughs> <laughs> I mean kind of a uh, rare form but um well, but, and David you know it doesn't take much to rub me into stuff I'm always I'm always ready to to jump off the deep end I mean, hey, there you go. <laughs> I love That's it. it. I love it. We're- same, same with us though, David. It seems like things have been so crazy since Christmas. Uh, I survived another pandemic, um, caught COVID, and COVID had to go into quarantine for two weeks after it visited our house. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but. Uh, I joke with people that I survived two pandemics, caught the swine flu when that was a thing back in 2009. It was back when, back in our Western days and we need to do a podcast about our Western days. We do. We do. Oh, that would be so much fun. And, um, anyway, had the swine flu in 09, survived that. And, uh, then we got COVID at the turn of the, of the new year. And so, um, battled that, and here I am on the other side. What doesn't kill us makes us stronger until we actually do die. So, <laughs> <laughs> so morbid. So. Oh man, it's, it's such a strange Zach now. So we had Zach on for the the holiday show, and everything was nice and happy, and we had a good time and laughed at Chevy Chase. And now it's like, well, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger until we actually. Until Perish. we actually do die. But, uh, <laughs> oh man. Oh, mercy. So, I, I'm going to no. tell you something else funny right before we get into some facts. So, I told Mallory we were going to do an episode on Atlantis. And this is, this is our conversation. I said, babe, I want to do an episode with Zach on Atlantis. And she said, Atlantis, what? Atlantis Morstead? Atlantis in the Bahamas? Like the resort? <laughs> oh, Atlantis. Yeah. <laughs> Atlantis, the Disney movie? I was like, no, like, actual atlantis and she goes what all of that is based on yeah i said what all of that is related but the first one of it and she goes oh she was not impressed at all (laughs) so we saw the atlantis in the bahamas it was we went on a cruise and atlantis was like on the other side of the dock where we had um where we had docked we actually went to, um, we went like up and away from Atlantis to uh, a private beach um, that was owned by, I think, Sandals. 
um, and Sandals and Carnival kind of had a partnership, and so we got to use their private beach, and that was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, At- Atlantis and the Bahamas is beautiful. So, so when we went to the Bahamas for our honeymoon, Mallory said, "Look, there's Atlantis. I want to go over there." So we yeah. got off the big ship, and the one thing that they tell you when you get off the big ship is if you pay someone to go to the beach, make sure you can get back from the beach because they will just drive you out there and just leave you there. They, they'll take your five bucks and drop you off. And that's that. They don't care if you get back or not. So I was kind of leery about that, but Mallory was so adamant. She was like, I want to go over there. I want to see the ocean. I want to walk through the resort. And I was like, okay, so we go to this little dock and there's a boat there that looks like it's made like out of potato chip wrappers and the motor sounds like it's a stick of gum and it goes and there's a little guy driving this boat and there's like 20 30 people getting on this thing and he goes if five dollars take you across other side go to atlantis and i was like okay and so i paid the guy 10 bucks and the whole time we're like riding over there i said this boat is gonna sink and somehow we made it across. We go out on the on the ocean, and there'd just been a big storm, and so the the waves were so rough that we couldn't even get in the ocean. But I've been to that particular Atlantis, walked through it, seen the casino, walked out the other side, and seen the ocean. But I don't think that's where the real Atlantis is. That's just no. That's just the Atlantis there in the Bahamas. So, so but let's go to the real Atlantis, Dave. If it was even there. There's a lot of speculation about location, if it was real. Um, Probably the biggest thing, and this is really funny, there's one article where it says they they snort with indignation about Atlantis, which, you know, we'll have to learn how to snort when we don't believe something is true anymore (laughs) with no facts and just go, well... That can't be yeah. plausible. There's been a lot of research done, and then in the 90s, there were a lot of scholars who threw up a bunch of information that basically tried to disprove the geological facts that Plato put forward in his account of Atlantis, and they basically set up some straw men to knock down to just say, well, it can't be factually true. And right. so that that's where those snorts of indignation come from and there's been more released here recently and there's a bunch of different theories about where Atlantis is and could it be true and I'll go ahead and say that my belief is that I do think it was a real place because there are too many accounts of a of a place that is like this now do I believe it's like the Disney movie with flying vehicles and crystals and magic and you know, all of that mumbo jumbo. No, I don't, I do not think that it was that kind of advanced civilization. Um, I'm kind of more in line with what I guess to me, the most prominent Atlantis researcher, Randall Carlson says, um, I think they were kind of like a seafaring middle of the Atlantic Island type civilization you know, they island hopped and they had very good math on the stars and they could navigate and they could sail. And that's what really drove, you know, their continent or their city or whatever we want to call it, the island of Atlantis in that area. Right. Oh, a lot like the Phoetians. Yes. You know, there's some speculation that the Phoetians actually 
um, explored um, what the Europeans would call the New World, which, of course, the continents of North and South America, but that the Phoenicians were actually able to land um, on uh, these two continents, um, you know, hundreds, if not a thousand years before the, um, uh, the Europeans actually did. And, um, you know, uh, it's like we were talking a little bit, you know, before the show, Dave, that we oftentimes, I guess, have to frame what we know about history, obviously, um, from the people who wrote it. And a lot of our history comes from, you know, a, a Euro, European, Eurocentric um, mindset and worldview. And, of course, the Dark Ages in European history really um, hid a lot of, um, a lot of knowledge, a lot of uh, ancient knowledge and learning from the people until, you know, after, until the Renaissance and, um, and then of course the age of enlightenment that came after that. So, you know, I, I tend, I, I would tend to think that Atlantis or an Atlantean ish, uh, people existed land, you know, an island or a, a land existed like that. And of course there's not a lot of ancient sources and most ancient sources that we have actually quote uh, the earliest source, and that, of course, being uh, Plato's accounts in his writings, which, you know, as you and I talked about, what primary source-ish information that we do have, of course, comes from Plato, where, uh, which, and it's not a lot, he only gives maybe a paragraph, you know, two or three paragraphs um, in his writings, um, you know, which some scholars believe that his account of Atlantis, uh, because, well, in his account of Atlantis, he talks about the destruction of Atlantis um, first by the Athenians uh, in, a, um, in a war, and then after their defeat of the Athenians, the civilization was ultimately destroyed by um what is it a, chasmic, uh, a cataclysmic event is, is yeah. kind of what he references right right some form of earthquakes or or something where um the uh uh you know where the city essentially just swallowed it up and so some some speculate that he may have been writing uh in a allegorical way to emphasize the power of the athenians which he, of course, he upheld, you know, Athenian uh, democracy and Athenian republic as a, um, you know, the, the greatest civilization in the world. And so could it have been that it was, you know, the destruction of this, of these peoples by the Athenians ultimately led to their, you know, their being wiped off the face of the earth? Is it allegory, you know? Maybe, but the fact that so many people who came after Plato took him serious enough leads me to think that there may be more to it than than just allegory. Well, a lot of scholars initially just said 
all speculation. Like in if you read that uh, Timaeus and Socrates, and what is the other uh, major player in that work? Is it Cretus? I think that's that sounds Cretus. Like, yeah, yeah, Cretus. Yeah. So there, basically, how that is set up is the day before Socrates was explaining what his ideal civilization would be or his ideal city or you know culture would be and the very next day it just so happens that Timaeus has a story that hails from you know a great Athenian uh, writer storyteller of, of that day and age and apparently this story came out of Egypt and that is where Plato gives the account of Atlantis and basically some geographical clues so on and so forth. And that's where we get the story of Atlantis from. And so I guess to me, the first big question that we have to ask ourselves when we're thinking about this, because if we, if we believe what Plato says and he says it was an advanced civilization, do we then believe that there were, you know, more advanced civilizations that were possible? And so, I mean, that could go back thousands and thousands of years, you know, Mm -hmm past the the dark ages like into the ice age i guess if you because people were alive during those times i mean they found artifacts or perfectly preserved people i guess from from that time period so i guess the big question right now in this part of the conversation is would would we think there would be an advanced civilization that could have all of these things that plato kind of depicts in his account well, and that, I mean, that leads, leads to a deeper discussion. You know, I've heard, well, I mean, you can look at history. The Dark Ages in Europe, um, you know, kind of resulted from the fall of the Roman Empire. It was like people kind of shutting the doors for a while. And then with the Renaissance, you know, they start peeking out, opening the doors. More so too, you know, well, I shouldn't say more so too, but but essentially, along with the Dark Ages, you had a very cataclysmic event with the um, the Black Death, and uh, just really, you know, time period where you know people, you know, essentially isolated from one another, and close to a hundred years, I'd say that you know just nothing happened. Nothing um, of a, I guess what you're trying to say is nothing cultural, significance, cultural significance happened yeah. because everyone right, was the, so, I guess, separated kind of like how we have been with the whole COVID thing. I mean, in mm-hmm. early 2000 and March of 2000, everyone kind of shut themselves up. I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, people still went out and I mean, you have to go to the grocery store. I mean, you got to right. have food and that, that kind of thing. But for the most part, there was a time there where I only saw other people on zoom calls or on FaceTime. And I mean, yeah, it it was kind of the same thing. I mean, unlike that, we still had a very hectic and crazy news cycle because news media doesn't stop. But sure. Back then, I mean, word, word would travel, but it would take a lot longer for it to travel to different places. And so, I mean, like you're saying the dark ages, when that stuff happens, it, it shuts down, all the communications to all these different places. Right. And, and, and my point in bringing it up is that, you know, the Renaissance came after that, but everything that had happened up to that point was kind of lost to time, so to speak. And so it makes one wonder, you know, we read about the ice age and the quote cavemen, 
um, so to speak. And that time period where we think that, oh, you know, these poor guys, they they had to invent the wheel uh, with a rock and all this stuff. But could it be something cataclysmic happened that all of the advancements even prior to that time period were lost to time, so to speak, um, and man, you know, kind of had to relearn everything. Um, it's interesting to think about, but, um, I mean, and there, I mean, you think about the different people groups who, you know, as a student of the Bible, um, there, you know, there are a lot of people groups mentioned even in the Bible that are not in the world today. You know, they were either absorbed into other people groups or they were conquered and, um, you know, never heard of again. So it is not outside the realm of possibility that, you know, a people, um, you know, known as the Atlanteans or um, some type of civilization like that, it's not outside the realm of possibility that they would have exist. You know, I guess the deeper question would be, did it exist in the way that Plato um, wrote about it and others who used Plato as primary source uh, wrote about it? I guess, yeah, I guess that's right. So, like, in my next kind of line of thought, though, so then, I mean, it's possible for an advanced civilization. I mean, we've seen this in other places, like... um, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but it's uh, Tepe, Go, what is it, Goblio Tepe? It's it's in Mesopotamia, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like in Turkey, like the Turkey area. Um, I think it translates uh, to like about. the Potbelly Hill um, in in Turkey. And this was this is a historical site that they've dated back to like the Neolithic, you know, time period. And I was listening to Graham Hancock talk about this the other day, and he said that what is really strange about this particular site is that the oldest, and and this is completely backwards, so it's the oldest dated, you know, monuments or statues or pyramids or whatever it is that is at uh, Goblio Tepe, is actually the most ornate and it's the most well-crafted and it stood the test of time. So it, it's, it, it's like these, these people came into this civilization and said, here is how you do these things. And here's how you make things really, really nice. And as time progressed on, it didn't get better. The, the structures and the architecture and all that stuff, got worse it got more crude so it's like is it possible for a cataclysmic event to happen displace people who have you know made these advancements in technology like being able to move you know five ton rocks and drill holes in them and move this into a situation where you know you've got all of these nice structures and then they get displaced by a cataclysmic event whether that be you know, an asteroid hitting the earth or a massive tsunami or a huge change in climate and they end up, you know, their city gets destroyed and they end up moving to another place 
to where there's another civilization, but it's not as advanced as theirs. And they say, well, this is actually how you do agriculture. And this is actually how you build these things. And this is actually how you look at the sun and the moon and the stars and create, you know, calendars and all that stuff. I mean, we see that with the Mayans and, you know, the, the civilizations in Central and South America. And I feel like all that stuff kind of bleeds together at some point where, you know, it's not just what we were taught in school, like Western thought where, you know, it, it follows this particular timeline and then, you know, the big advancements into the, you know, early hundreds into the thousands and then the hundred years war and 1600s. And then that advancement goes on. Cause that's really, I feel like what the American education focuses on. And I mean, we get a little bit of early civilization when you take like natural resources or you take geology or you take, um, what is it? World history, like in the ninth grade, but that kind of stops. It stops very abruptly because then they focus on other portions of history. And to me, this is very, very interesting. And I even took an anthropology class in college and we didn't even talk about this kind of stuff. We talked more about just the hunter and gatherer, you know, lifestyle and, you know, what anthropology is. I would have been way more interested in learning about sites like this, uh, Goblio Tepe and Atlantis and things of that nature where you actually have an advanced civilization or the rumors of or the tale of an advanced civilization and then it's like well something happened and now it's gone but there's these signs of advanced technology and advanced agriculture in other uh, architecture in other civilizations to me that's that's sure. insane yeah yeah and and part of the problem with that though is that you know there's only a limited time in public education to where, you know, um, teaching middle school now, I know um, seventh grade is kind of like that uh, world history from the Renaissance on, which, you know, if you look at that, you're looking at somewhere between five and 600 years versus in sixth grade, you go from the um, early man to the medieval medieval time period. Yeah, that's a that's uh, a so, massive jump. <laughs> so it yeah, like uh, six to seven thousand years of time. So you know, it's a uh, it, you know, there's there's so much time to cover and not enough um, you know, not enough time you know, to cover all the, all the curriculum. So, but I guess how this all relates to Atlantis is that there's, I feel like, and this is just me, there is so much stuff that has been lost to history. I could not rule out the possibility of, of the existence of, you know, an entire, you know, people, whether it was a small island or a larger continent, like um, later historians who would quote Plato said, you know, I think they said it was like the the size of uh, Libya, which was at the time was the term that they used to, that was the term that they used to describe Africa. Um which they're they're thinking of Af you know the 
in that time period, they did not see Africa as big as it actually was. But whether it was a city, whether it was a you know a, an island nation or or a, a smaller-ish continent, um, then you know that's I think it's totally within the realm of possibility, and I I couldn't necessarily rule it out. So, but um, wh- what about the location of Atlantis, David? Like, um. I didn't really get into much about the physical location. I was actually, more of my research was on, I guess, what Atlantis inspired mm. um, from people. So did you come across anything about I the did, location? And there's there's a lot of different theories. So the original, I guess, the OG theory um, was from Ignatius Donnelly and his uh, in his book, Atlantis, the... I can't, it's hard to say this name. Atlantis. The Antidevalian. Antidevalian. Yeah. Yeah, that. Anti-Deluvian. Deluvian, yes. Yes. It took me Cobra a second. Fog. I talk for a living. Yes, I do. <laughs> Atlantis, the <laughs> anti-Deluvian world. Um, Ignatius Donnelly is, I think he published this in 1882 or something like that. So this <clears> is, <throat> I mean, this is about, uh close to 200 something years ago or you know a little maybe not that long but he he says that it's near the azores plateau which is if you look on a map and you look at where spain and portugal are right to the south of that is where what he depicts as the pillars of heracles or the pillars of hercules in Mm -hmm. plato's account and that is actually the straits of gibraltar yeah, and yeah. so there's there's a lot of geographical. That's what they think the geographical clue is there in Plato's account. And so Ignatius Donnelly believes that if you go, I think it's it's a good number of miles from the pillars of Heracles or the Straits of Gibraltar's out to the fault line, where there's this kind of plateau that's under the ocean floor. It's where a couple of uh, of the plates meet up. The different plates like the North American plate and then the European plate and then the plate that um, Greenland is on all of those kind of meet in one place and then there's this circular area like on the map and it looks like that particular plate at some point in time when the plate tectonics moved that sank into the ocean Mm. and so interesting yeah, yeah so there's that's what he originally believes. And so that's where the Azores plateau is. And, uh, there were a lot of people that tried to refute that kind of like what I talked about before in the, in the episode where there's a lot of people who would sneer with indignation and they would basically try to find like geographic or geological proof of, you know, what is on land now being undersea and they can't find any, but they didn't, they did kind of straw man science and, and it's, there's, there's some evidence for it. And the person that's kind of trying to bring this back to the front, I've kind of mentioned him already before, is Randall Carlson. And he's got his own podcast called uh, Cosmographia. And so he believes that, or not he believes, but he thinks that there is a lot of evidence to support that the lost city of Atlantis is on the Azores plateau, according to his research and what he has done. The other place they think that Crete or uh, Theria or Santorini is a good 
a good spot for that. Uh, both are subversions of the overall uh, Minoan theory, and um, that story of Atlantis was dist- is a distorted uh, remembrance of the uh, Minoan civilization. Maritanus, uh, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, Maritanus, a legendary Greek archaeologist, wrote a book called Some Worlds About the Legend of Atlantis that expounded on his thoughts on an Atlantis-Moan connection. And um, there was another book published by John Luce um, right around that same time as uh, Martineno's book, and it goes into a quite uh, quite a bit of detail about you know, that area. So the Crete, Thea or Santorini area. Then there's also kind of the idea, like we've already talked about the pillars of Heracles, kind of the Straits of Gibraltar. And a lot of people think that it is in Southern Spain. So it's not like a super new theory, but it is one of the more popular ones. Um, yeah, so. that, that, that was, that was one of the things I was going to bring up next is that, so there's the idea that Atlantis was, this small-ish continent, uh, big island, whatever, um, however you want to term it. Um, but it, it was its own island, uh, kind of its own land in the, in the Atlantic. Um, but then there are also theories that try to explain Atlantis with nations, countries, lands that are still here today. Um, you mentioned uh, uh, Spain uh, or, you know, Portugal, um, kind of around that area beyond the Straits of Gibraltar. There are some, you know, that we were talking about before who think that um, possibly Atlantis is a reference to the, quote, New World, um, which, you know, if it was... Um, not necessarily that the North and South American continents were new um, because they had previously been explored by people. So, um, which, you know, if you take uh, Plato's description at face value, a land beyond the Strait of Gibraltar, you can head out from the Strait of Gibraltar and you're going to wind up running into America. So, I would say that's a pretty big island, isn't it? <laughs> that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big space of land. So, um, so yes. Uh, so there, you know, possibility that, um, Plato was right, that it was, um, you know, a different civilization, but that they inhabited lands that, you know, are still here today. And, uh, lands that were, um, you know, that, that didn't disappear into the sea or lands that have been unknown to, to modern man. So it is interesting though. Um, I'm, like I said, my, my research kind of led me into more of like how Atlantis inspired. Uh, I actually got in, got a lot into like how, Atlantis inspired uh, literature and like authors like uh, Sir Francis Bacon, who wrote, you know, uh, a utopian uh, novel based on ideas of Atlantis. And so, you know, the whole utopian, utopianism kind of being inspired by Atlantis, that's kind of where my uh, that's the rabbit trail that my research led me down. So I'm going to have to look into 
Ignatius Donnelly and kind of the, the exploration of, of where Atlantis uh, could have been. So what, in reading Francis Bacon, what was, I mean, did you read much of what he thought his utopian place would be like? So his idea, kind of just, some, uh, you know, a summary, his writing was about an island located actually in the Pacific, just off the coast of Peru, where a people group lived who were Christianized, um, and they were actually Christianized by a miraculous appearing of St. Bartholomew, uh, who gave them the gospel. And so they were a Christianized nation, um, but they were a extremely moral people. And so that's kind of where the utopianism comes in, that there's no crime. The people don't want for anything. But it's interesting because the people on this island were, they actually, quote, explored other countries. And so at one point in the story, these, I mean, these two Europeans, like, discover this island. And the people who live on the island, you know, essentially tell them, we go and we explore the world, um, but we go on ships that are disguised as other countries um, so we don't reveal ourselves. And so they go and they explore uh, the world and, and essentially pull the best ideas from all across the world. Um, and they have, um, you know, made advancements in discoveries and scientific um things like that. And of course, keep in mind, uh, Bacon was writing during the, the, you know, the 1600s. So, um, and which Bacon himself was, you know, a bit of a scientist, his idea of, of that society was that, you know, kind of like what you had mentioned that they were a more advanced society. They were advanced in every way, possible scientifically mathematics morally, yeah and and religious is which is interesting that bacon of course incorporates which i think mm, a lot of utopian literature at least at the time uh you know emphasize you know the whole morality of a utopian peoples and so um which of course you know he was I mean, the title of his work is The New Atlantis. Um, so his ideas based on, you know, his, his, you know, his thinking that Atlantis was, you know, more advanced civilization. So I guess then my next question would be, do you think it was possible? And this is, this is kind of where there's a hang up. A lot of people don't, they're not comfortable thinking about this. But do you think that it is possible that they're not as technologically advanced as we are now, like with electricity and, you know, Internet and and that kind of thing? But do you think that there's a realm of possibility that there was an advanced civilization that was thousands of years ago that had the ability to basically do whatever they wanted? And then like something happened to Atlantis and it's just they're just gone. I mean, well, I think you would need to, I, I think, 
the limit, or I think the understanding of the limits of, you know, how far could their technology have gone? Um, do I think that people had electricity before modern electricity? I, I, I don't. Um, there was a discovery of that uh, Roman computer. They call it a computer, but it was a computing device, and it looks like, you know what I'm talking about, it kind of looks yeah. like a compass. And they found it at the bottom of the Mediterranean on a Roman ship. And the, the belief is, is that it was, you know, operated um, as sort of like a crank. And, it, you know, you could, you know, the person who operated it, it operated, I, I'm, I'm assuming, a lot like an astrolabe in that it would, you could, you know, you could set the month and the day and then the, the internal gears and stuff, you know, could position the stars and the navigation systems for you. Um, so if you were uh, captaining a ship, you know, then you could um, navigate um, based Just on that this, computer. Based on this, you know, computer to know, you know, where the North Star was in the sky um, during the time of year that you're sailing and things like that. So, I mean, and I would say that's very, very advanced um, technology. So, I mean, yeah, sure. I think that they, they could have, you know, that this society, this Atlantean society could have been, um, very technically, technologically advanced society. Um, I mean, there's no telling if, if indeed it was, well, I mean, which, you know, we don't have any proof. I mean, we We don't have any proof. Yeah. yeah, No one has found a, a true Atlantean artifact for me it, it, it maybe was, they walked on their hands maybe, maybe i don't they found that <laughs> i have no idea they found that that was the easiest way to get around was walk on your hands well for me it's it's looking at these structures that have been around like the pyramids or or mm-hmm. looking at stonehenge or you know uh what is the the place in south america um not Tetlo Teach Land, but uh, uh, Machu Picchu. Yeah, Machu Picchu. Look at these giant, you know, structures that these civilizations have built. And to me, Stonehenge is like the. How did those rocks get there? I mean, mm-hmm. they looks like the Easter Island heads too. Yeah, I mean they're they're just there. I mean, how how much do those weigh? I want to find out now because I don't know off the top of my head. While you're looking at that, yeah, I mean, geologists have determined that. Easter Island heads were not carved from local stones, that these stones were brought in, um, you know, in, you know, into that area. And they were either carved before they brought in or they were carved once they got there. So I know I said earlier that, you know, the, the Giblio Tepe place, they have a, a stone cause they had like a quarry area. There was a stone down there that had a fault in it that they decided not to use. And they weighed that stone and it's like five tons. And if, mm. if those, if, if that Neolithic era civilization was able to pull five ton rocks out of the ground and move it up a giant incline with ease, I mean, to me, that's insane. That's, I mean, five tons, that's, that's, you know, 10,000 pounds. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. On average, the stones at Stonehenge 
weigh between 25 and 30 tons. Good and how and how do you move something that heavy? Mm-hmm. I mean, there has yeah. to be some sort of tech technology, and then stand them up that way. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen you know I've seen pictures of you know they had the rocks on like essentially like logs, and you would roll it so far, pull the logs from the back, put them in the front, and it was basically like a like a trek or like a well i mean it's basically like, rolling them on a track yeah well it's, it's the same old. way it, so the, you'll think this is how crazy did you get too the loaded on yeah it? how do you get them there and how did you car and it, well like the the stone heads how do you you carve these things and then they showed up but it's, it's crazy but then people will say well it's not that hard to move giant objects and i'll fully agree my grandmother's house was moved. It it was built on an original foundation. If you know where my parents live and you drive by the corn maze there on 110, you'll see my grandmother's house. It's the first house on our road. And you'll see this giant well that's in front of it that is no longer a functioning well. That well used to be in the backyard. So they picked mm. her house up, put it on stilts, and then moved it back so they back. could put 110 right through there because the road yeah. used to be different right through there. And they said, well, w- where the road is now is where your house is. So either we tear your house down or we move it. And they picked her house up on stilts, put it on rollers, rolled it back, set it back down, built the road and built the road. And wow. my mom said when they, my mom was alive when they were doing this. And she said that, None of the stuff in the house got messed up. Nothing came off the walls. They just moved the house. It took them. It huh. took them a few months, but I mean, they, you know, you can't move. I mean, it's a whole house. It's not going to go very fast. And the, the same can probably be said for these twenty-five ton, thirty-ton rocks. I mean, this isn't you know just some big guy picking them up and and moving them. Like this would have taken time and effort and a lot of planning and mathematical engineering Mm -hmm. to pull off these feats and so kind of how this ties back into atlantis i fully believe that there there could have been people that were living in the middle of the atlantic ocean on an island with advanced technology that were wayfaring that could go to these different places and then you know if they felt like oh no like our city's about to be sucked into the bottom of the ocean they probably hopped on ships and they got the heck out of there and they could have went to these other civilizations and then that's where we get these other influences for this architecture and this mathematics and, and things sure. of that nature. And then, and they were just absorbed into the, yeah. Into the people groups that they went to. Yeah. And then, well, another point that I think is crazy while reading Plato's account, they start talking about some mathematics where they start dividing, you know, they're talking about the soul and how the soul is divided. Mm. And, there's a whole lot of math that goes on in like a five or six paragraph thing in there. Like, well, you take it and you divide it once and then it's divided into two and then it divided into four. And then you, you know, you can't divide it into three, but then it's divided into nine pieces. And then that gives you 27. It like just the ratio of this whole, like six or seven paragraphs goes on. And this was written by Plato, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. And then they start looking at, the sun and the moon and the stars of Mercury and Venus and Jupiter. 
and all of those are very present in all of the things that they're discussing within this book that Plato wrote. And it, I mean, just to think that that culture had a significant understanding for how planets orbited the earth Mm -hmm. and how the sun and the moon orbited the earth. I mean, that's, to me, that's almost insane. Like how could, like how, how could you be, you know, that astronomical at that point in time? But I mean, it's, it's possible they did it. And how, and how accurate some of the, you know, some of their calculations were without the aid of telescopes and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, talking about like Stonehenge and those, those areas that, um, you know, are just, you know, to ancient ruins, so to speak to us. Um, a lot of people believe because of the advancements of like the Mayan and Aztec civilizations that, um, they have associated those areas as being, you know, um, uh, possible sites, uh, sites for, um, Atlantis. Um, and part of what you were saying too, Dave, about how Atlantis has sort of, uh, inspired wonder, I guess, to think, you know, how advanced were they and how much did they know and all of this stuff. One of the things that I came across was, how um, people have incorporated, you know, Atlantean uh, mythology. Well, just pop culture. I mean, you've well, got Aquaman yeah. lives in Atlantis. The Little Mermaid yeah. is from Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Like we've mentioned before, there's a whole Disney movie about Atlantis. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. very much in pop culture now. Yeah, and even beyond pop culture, it's you know, they incorporated the myth and the the mystery, uh, of Atlantis into, uh, even like religious practice and, and the idea that the wisdom, uh, the, or the idea that Atlantis and that Atlanteans were these people who, you know, they had a knowledge that the world did not, and that it has been lost with time and that only followers of this religion or this, uh, sect, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, only followers of, of, of our religion, of our religious thinking can attain to that level of, of knowledge and that level of, um, wisdom and spiritual understanding. So there's, you know, the myth and the mystery have, having, you know, go beyond even inspiring literature, you know, we, you know, you mentioned pop culture, but you know, it even inspired, uh, it even inspires, um, you know, religion, uh, because of the, the mystery behind it all. So it's, it's quite fascinating. Um, but we can't forget the most significant cultural impact that Atlantis has made. And that is, um, the Atlantis putt-putt course in <laughs> Myrtle Beach. I mean, come on. I've been there. I forgot Absolutely. all about that place until you just said I, something about it. Yep. It's two courses. Yeah. I played both many a time. I learned a lot. Oh, my gosh. 
So we went, uh, we had some friends in to town. This is completely off subject, but we had some friends come into town. And one of the things we did is go play putt-putt because Mallory loves to play putt-putt. She was the only one that got a hole-in-one, and she actually won. She beat all all four of us. Absolutely nice. spanked us. So she likes to go putt-putt. So I'll have, to, I'll have to go back to Myrtle Beach and go to the Atlantis putt-putt course. I remember That's that. exactly right. So, that exactly right. So one of the funny things about, you know, Atlantis and I remember watching the Disney movie as a kid and I, I freaking loved <laughs> yeah. it. But the Leviathan is not kosher Atlantis. The Leviathan is from the Bible. And I just happened to think of that. Like while we were talking about this, I was like, well, how, why did they put the Leviathan in that story with the Disney movie? Because the Leviathan is well, definitely from Jewish mythology. Was it a was it a Disney film? Yeah, so the DreamWorks, the Disney film. No, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a Disney film. Disney. I yeah. just looked at it. I thought it was DreamWorks, but no, you're right. It's a Disney right. film. Milo Thatch. Yeah, I remember. I remember watching yeah. that. Been a long time ago, though. But what were you saying about it? But the, in that movie, they have the Leviathan creature in that movie but you know the leviathan is actually from you know arabian it's an arabian cosmological creature so Mm -hmm. it's in you know it's in jewish text i mean it it shows up in psalms in the book of job in the book of isaiah so i mean Mm -hmm. it's kind of i i've been trying to figure out how those two things relate but i guess just because it's a sea monster i guess disney just thought well it's kind of close let's just stick it in there yeah, just stick it in there. Would you look at that? Would you Would you look at that? <laughs> oh, that's that goes back. I haven't thought of that in a while. Just look at it. Yeah, just look at it. That's what Plato was saying about Atlantis. He said, "Just look at it." Yeah. Would you just Would you look at that? Yeah. Would you look <laughs> at that? So I guess. I guess we need to do some more research. I mean, we've just really scratched the surface. There's multiple avenues to go mm-hmm. down with this with this research. I'm actually, to me, I'm very intrigued by the geological evidence. And so I think I might dive into some Ice Age type research and read this mm-hmm. Graham Hancock book because he makes a case for an advanced civilization in the Americas during the Ice Age. Okay. And so I might, right. I might look into that. That sounds pretty interesting. I like old Graham Hancock. Very cool. Um, now, who was it that you were quoting that uh, Joe Rogan had him on a podcast? Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock Randall have. Carlson. They've both been on Joe Rogan's podcast before. Um, Randall Carlson has his own podcast called Cosmographia. So if you, if you want a more in-depth Atlantis take you can definitely go check out Cosmographia and he does like 10 or 12 hours on Atlantis and I've listened oh, to wow. like two of them and so a lot of it is him talking about the Azores Plateau and how those plates meet up and the snorts of indignation he talks about that in the first one that's where I got that okay. from so it's I thought that was hilarious because then he tells his uh hosts because he has two hosts that are on his show and then he's basically the star and they just ask him questions and he just kind of answers them but he says that they'll have to practice their snorts of indig- indignation for whenever they uh 
find something that they don't want to do any research for and they don't believe it and they just snort at people and that tells them, well, that's not true. <laughs> that's it. Well, never forget. They used to think the ancient city of Troy was just part of Homer's um, yeah. uh, epic poetry and then found out that Troy was real. I mean, we're finding out more more and more every day. I mean, yeah, know, there's... And in Randall Carlson, it, it, he said something the other day, too, um, when I was listening to it. And I don't know if I mentioned it earlier or not. I think it was before we actually started the show and we were just kind of talking. But he said that he believes that the big archaeological break for, breakthroughs of the future will not actually appear on land, but it'll be more about studying the ocean floor and studying, you know, archaeological artifacts that are in the ocean because right now he was saying that all the archaeological research that is done in the ocean is basically just shipwrecks. Like they go and find these old shipwrecks and pull up, you know, the treasure and the artifacts and whatever was on board those ships when they wrecked, but they haven't done a lot of like diving and researching underwater ruins basically because there are mm-hmm. some of those out there and there there hasn't been a lot of archaeological um study of those places so he thinks that in the next 20 to 50 years that'll be where the archaeological focus shifts because i mean if you think about it we're you can only dig up so much land i mean you can only go down so far so mm-hmm. i think they're running out of space so i I, th- I thought that was extremely interesting so, well, I think we've kind of scratched an itch here that may further on prove to be something more. That's for sure. Well, again, thanks. A big thanks to Zach Williams for coming on the show. If you want to reach out to us, you can do that. That's styles.and.friends.podcast at gmail.com. I know it's a mouthful, but hey, I check your mail even if you send it to me. We also have a phone number 828-549-8842 if you want to tell us hey i think you're you know full of crud and atlantis is just make-believe leave me a voicemail and i might put you on the next atlantis show that we do coming up next week zach you're going to really like this i want to have philip yarborough on the show and we are going to talk about survival and camping and all of that good stuff so it should be a lot of fun be on the lookout for that excellent show should be an excellent show. Anything else you want to add here before we sign off? Just thanks for having me on again, David. I always enjoy uh, sitting on the virtual porch with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it as well. It's good to catch up with you. Well, I guess we'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>